Happy, happy Monday. Jesse and Ailish. I think it was a perfect weekend. I, I agree. You got your sweep. I got my sweep. <laughs> Canada brings home a bronze, and football was real damn good. Uh, and what else can you ask for? Uh, just getting on, getting I mean, on the couch there you go. at, tw- what was it, 1255, mm. and having the countdown come on with Scotty H., Good to see his face again. It was just a, it's just a phenomenal feeling. It just doesn't get any better than that. And then, like, we're lucky that we enjoy our jobs and get to come in and talk <laughs> about it. Like, that's what's so amazing about it. Sunday is like not, you know, we're just talking about the Sunday scaries. Like, didn't get it yesterday. I'm excited to come in and talk about it today. I'm so glad uh, Jesse's here for another couple of days this week until Justin's back from vacay. So holding it down. Uh, you feel like a seasoned vet, but you couldn't get in the door again. Uh, they got to figure yeah. out your pass. Well, yeah. So I, I can't get into the radio side of the building. Just a lost I guess, soul out there. Which, like, shouldn't be that hard for me to just go down to security and say, do you mind giving me access to this? Because I've been working here for 12 years. But <laughs> for whatever reason, I just... They're I'm like, just you're not allowed that. in the radio wing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just avoiding that conversation. I have no idea why. Uh, so Ailish had to come get me this morning. All right. And it's either Ailish or Nick or Danielli, whoever we work with, coming <laughs> to get me every single morning. But uh, So thank you, I oh, guess. No problem. And Those thank were, you for the coffee again. Any time. <laughs> Appreciate it. We're running the, the end of the coffee train here, but yeah. it's been good. It's been good. Um, I, those were the most steps I got going to get you at the door <laughs> right. uh, that I had gotten yeah. in the last 24 hours. But football's back. Uh, it was a great day of viewing yesterday. Obviously, the Blue Jays sweep, which I said was mandatory. They listened to the fan morning show. They said, mandatory. said ah, that girl said it was mandatory, so we better we better perform. It wasn't always pretty. I'll tell you that. It's bizarre. Some crazy, crazy stuff in the Blue Jays game. And then, of course, real early on Sunday morning, you got to see Canada take home bronze at the FIBA World Cup. First time ever meddling. First time getting a medal at anything in a very, very, very long time. Um, of course, we know they've clinched the Paris Olympics. So this was the cherry on top, uh, especially against the United States. You want to start with Canada basketball? Well, that, yeah, that might have been the best Sunday of the year, for being honest. Go. Like, think about all the things that just went down. The Blue Jays, uh, NFL, obviously, FIBA, which we're going to get into in a second, uh, NFL and Novak Djokovic and Coca Cola. Oh, yeah. Didn't also. even get that one into like there. that's mm-hmm. it, well, it's just obviously you just assume that at this point that Novak Djokovic True. is going to win majors. But it was a good one. <laughs> but it was a good it was one. Twenty fourth, and it was a lot closer uh, with uh, Daniel Medvedev than the, the straight sets. Mm-hmm. I think implies we're going to talk to Carolyn Cameron a little bit later about it. Um, and then Coco is just a star. Oh, like, I love Coco. She's like, nineteen years old. It's ridiculous, and she's doing things that haven't been done. Once again, in a very long time. And she's just so cool. So cool. So articulate. She is. She's very, she's like wise behind beyond her years, but she's still young and has like a little bit of fun, a little Mm -hmm. bit of pizzazz. Um, And she's, she's humble, but she's confident. She, she walks that line really well. Whereas you can, you see sometimes when there's a young star on the stage, like whether it gets to their head or the expectations overcome them or they don't know how to act in the media. But I just, I love I love how she carries herself. I think to myself, at 19, I would have been, like, passing out when they put the microphone in front of me like that, in, in that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They're just, the athletes are just, when you're at that stage, just built different. You really are just built different. And Hashtag built different. Yeah, and for her, I mean, just, to have the, the coaching changes that she made, and then, like, she, she just, you couldn't, Sabalenka could not hit a ball past her. Like, the athleticism was out of control, and I feel like the women's tour has been searching for 
a new star. Mm -hmm. Like Iga Swiatek has been phenomenal mm -hmm. over the last little while, but for whatever reason, I don't think people have connected like with her. Last year was her year. Yeah. And she hasn't resonated as much this yes. year. Yes. And then there's, I know, there's different things that people say, like she pulls her hat down over her face and, you know. That's such a stupid comment. There are some some stupid comments when it comes to why like she's not a superstar. we can't connect because she wears a hat. It's dumb. It's, it's really dumb. But it, I, I mean, and I guess Americans want to connect with an American. And well, now I you mean, have it. Yeah. You're going to connect with someone, a 19-year-old American who's pretty damn electric. I think yeah. I would choose her just because of those things. Uh, but yeah, a pretty great weekend at the U.S. Open. Both her, Coco and uh, Djokovic win both the Cincy and the U.S. Open. So something brewing there in the United States. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Cameron will join us at 8.30, help us go through all that. Uh, kind of the end of the tennis season, right? There's not real, uh, not much yeah, to look forward to. Um, but as the calendar changes, uh, we look forward to hockey season. Of course, Carolyn's a part of that as well. So we can go through all that um, with her to wrap up our show. We'll have Buck Martinez on at 8 a.m. He is always great for some perspective. Uh, and what we saw yesterday in the Blue Jays game might be something that he's never seen in his life. Uh, have you? No. So Has anyone? How, how do we walk through that inning? I, it's... <laughs> It was kind of sad, sad, but also really fun and embarrassing. Yeah, I, I would say the part for me that made it so weird was that this guy, Cole Reagans, is having a remarkable second half of the season. Mm -hmm. The lowest ERA in the major leagues in the yes. second half. And all of a sudden, he just, like, forgot what to do. Did, like, he was blaming the mound. He was blaming the mound. He was looking at I it, and everyone know. came out and was like, ah, the mound looks fine, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, investigating this, the, <laughs> right. like the dirt. Like, it's normal. It's like, uh, I don't know. Look, look, look here. I step here, and something happens. Like, no, you just kind of, like, lost it. And I, I I feel like it was like a, like a yip situation. Was I, it not? I think that that's certainly a way to describe it. I, I Every time I saw the replay, like, it just got worse sixth inning obviously if you haven't had a chance to see it you have to stop what you're doing just type in cole reagan's on yeah. twitter he goes three absolutely like a wild pitch is uh, you know those are not I wild, could throw pitches. A wild pitch yeah. i don't think i could have thrown what cole reagan's those did. were like 50 cent ceremonial first pitches 50 cent probably watched and said oh thank god this guy <laughs> this guy is the new worst pitch in the history of the mlb it was i felt really i really did feel bad for him because yeah. as you said he's having an incredible Second half of the season, the, the Kansas City Royals are not good. They're not a serious baseball team. That was their 100th, 100th loss mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, getting swept up by the Blue Jays this weekend. And, we, you know, we, we, didn't, uh, we didn't give them too much love and appreciation on Friday when we tried to tee them up. We had Ben Nicholson-Smith on. I remember asking him, like, what redeeming qualities do they have? And I think he mentioned Cole Reagans was going to pitch on Sunday and he was someone that had been a little bit of a turnaround. They had Bobby Wood Jr., but the list kind of ended there. And that sixth inning, um, to give the Blue Jays the tie, I mean, sometimes you're just gifted things from the baseball gods and the content gods. And I think we got both in one <laughs> setting. Three absolutely bizarre, wild, ridiculous pitches um, in a row. And everybody else pitched fine afterwards. So I, I just maybe he slipped, maybe... He got the yips, but it was a really strange thing. They were up there winning, and then... I can't believe they left him in after the third wild pitch, too. I, do you think it was just too embarrassing to be like, now get off the field? Pro probably. Like, you have to say, well, work yourself through this. Probably. Or if but you pull I, him. I, 
that's probably why they left him in. Just like how do you how do you pull him? But I guess you could just stay afterwards. Like obviously there's you know something with the mound and wasn't comfortable pitching and that's that. It's like he or was slipping injury, on even, butter. Honestly. Like it's like it's like I, it's like the the cleats. Yeah. Just disappeared and it was like a flat skateboard shoe. Yeah, it, it was honestly one of the DC weird things we've ever seen on a baseball field. Like Jamie Campbell tweeted that he's been <laughs> watching baseball since 1977 and he's never seen anything like it. Like Bach was incredulous after the second one, like on the broadcast. He's like, oh, he did it again. He did it again. Like, he, and then he did it again after that. Oh, it, was, it was insane. So, yeah. I mean, the Jays will take it, right? Because you think of where they were just two weeks ago, August 29th. Mm-hmm. They had just lost to the Nationals and were three and a half games out of a oh, wild yeah, we card were, spot. Like, writing them off. It was over. We were playing in their vacays for We were literally October having 1st. conversations that they're out of the playoff race. Like, it's done. They're done. Team stinks. They're done. And looky here. And we were, <laughs> but, you know, g- good for... Good for everyone that looked at the schedule and said, this is why you play 162 games. Well, wasn't that hard to look at the three worst teams in baseball coming in a stretch? No, but no, but even but even fans, I think, were they were so upset with the way that the team was mm-hmm. performing that they were looking at those three series and thinking, well, okay, maybe they go 500. It doesn't really help them. Like, they're not no. really good enough to just walk through those three teams. And they didn't walk through them. They went 10 and 5, which is uh, good and much needed. But I don't think there was optimism necessarily going into those three series. And luckily for the Blue Jays, they were able to salvage it in a way with a, a sweep of the, of the Royals, taking care of business. It was only maybe two weeks ago is the accurate time frame where the Blue Jays dipped below 500, right? I mean, sorry, below, not 500, below 50% chance yeah. of, of yeah, making it. 37 or 38. It was yeah. real dismal. And yeah. as of this morning on fan graphs, uh, 79.3% per- chance of making the playoffs. They uh, are. Okay. Can I just say something? And, and we'll ask Buck about this. This is like kind of like, he had a pretty epic analytics rant mm. over the weekend. I loved it. It was amazing. And I want to ask him about it. But this is like percentages are essentially analytics. They must not have taken into account the fact that the Blue Jays were playing the Rockies, the A's, and the Royals. Because to go from 38% and now 79% going 10-5 and five against those teams is not crazy. Well, I would say, I don't know how, I'm not an analytical mind. I don't, yeah, this I mean, isn't Jays Talk either. Plus. I dropped math like it was hot. Oh, yeah. I took data management just to scrape myself because you know how I have to take like, Why? Well, because you have to take one math course to be able to apply Feels like there's a better solution to that well, yeah calculus no definitely not yeah, yeah no well in grade 12 you had to take an extra oh, yeah, yeah, okay, math. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. i took so. calculus out of school like one of oh, those no, 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 no. i mean like grade fake. 12 like applying for yeah, school you yeah. need like one legitimate math yeah. course and i did not take calculus i took data management yeah. which is supposed to which i also qualified like statistics? as statistics yeah yeah so let me give you my statistical okay. analysis yeah, so as a data this. management yeah, yeah. grade 12. I don't even know when I got <laughs> in that class. My, yeah, Miss Shen was my professor. I remember she was like, girl, like, are you going to go to an Ivy League school? Good luck. <laughs> anyway, look where I made it. Um, anywho, so my statistical analysis is that Fangraphs and probably the other, whatever, what other website you use, probably did account for the Blue Jays having a weaker schedule because you can you can see the strength of schedule remaining, but they probably didn't account for the Texas Rangers blowing this mm-hmm. for the Blue Jays. Like you can only control really yourself when you're out there and you're focused on winning games and Blue Jays did what they needed to do this last uh weekend and then of course winning three series, only sweeping one, whatever. They've won eight of the last ten games the Blue Jays have. But the Texas Rangers certainly surprised everybody with the way that they've played over the last stretch. 
the way that they have dropped out of the lead of their division now to a point where they're behind the Blue Jays in terms of a wild card spot. The Blue Jays are a game up on one and a half games up on Texas and a game up on Seattle. What yeah. happened there? I thought Seattle was miles and miles ahead, but things are happening where you focus on your own page, but this is why standings watch is so fun at this time and also stressful. September is kind of where you see who are pretenders and who are contenders. Oh, that was sick. You yeah. That line. Yeah, that was, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Anywho, I, I think that, what Texas has done and what the Blue Jays have done kind of adds to the flip of the script from 38% to 79%. So there's my analytical. I think I passed. I, I think that was excellent. Back to grade, uh, grade 12. I think that here. was excellent if I uh, do say so myself. Um, yeah, you're right. Like Seattle went into Tampa and lost three or four mm-hmm. and lost two or three to the Reds, the series before that, and lost two or three to mm-hmm. the Mets, the series we before that. We were even thinking about Seattle. Right, because they were so, so, so hot in August. Like they had that crazy stretch where they lost one in. I want to call it because they were the hottest team in baseball. Yeah, and it has not been the same in September. And it's just another example of you can get really hot in baseball over a 162 game season, but you can also get pretty cold, or you can run into some hot teams. And like the Rays, just somehow are. Every single year, regardless of having everybody in their lineup hurt and their rotation at all times, they mm-hmm. just win. So Seattle ran into a buzzsaw that is the Rays and Texas. I mean, they two of three from the A's, but before yeah, that well, was an absolute disaster. Yeah. Like they, like they, they're choking it away. They're not a bad team. This should not be happening. They, they're they spend a ton of money. They have mm-hmm. Marcus Simeon, who's the man. Blue mm-hmm. Jays fans know that. Um, Adelise Garcia is having a ridiculous year. They have Corey Seager. He's batting 336. They got the names. But they're choking it away. So this is like this four game set that begins tonight. I cannot wait. This is, is playoff baseball. Like September is fun because not that the players don't give everything they have for 162 games. But there's a urgency in September that comes out, hopefully, with veteran players, veteran leaders, and teams that understand they're on the cusp. We have a clip from Kevin Kiermeyer. Obviously, he was the story of last night's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's been a story, I think, a lot of this season about just what a great acquisition he was. A lot of questions about his health. What's he going to be able to do? He's been, he is loved and cherished in this city. And last night, he added to that. He kind of cuts his own promo, takes the mic um, off of, it was Arden, I believe, on the field. And he just asked him a question, and he's just like, no, give me the mic. And he does what I think the Blue Jays fans are looking for at this point, is a leader, is a guy that's like, this is this isn't far, this is far from over. You know, this has been the last couple weeks where we've really been pushing. Eight out of the last ten, we've won. And um, here is Kevin Kiermeyer on the mic in front of the Rogers Center, and listen to the roar from the crowd afterwards. Hey, we got three weeks three weeks left of the season. Rogers Center, you've been electric all year. Hey, we need it. We've been working for October all year. We're going. Okay, you guys ready? Let's go. But listen to that Sunday so afternoon crowd against one of the worst teams in baseball this week coming up against the Texas Rangers. We've been talking about it. Most important series so far. It really is like we kind of throw that around. Sometimes this is when we truly mean it. It's playoff baseball. These next four games, uh, if Jays win three or four, they get the tiebreaker. That could be really, really huge when we look forward to it. But you're rolling in as a hot team as the Blue Jays are a hot team right now. 
Rangers are really not. So this is where you're going to see hopefully what this means to be peaking at the right time. The Blue Jays have most of their like they got four games here with Bassett, Ryu, Kikuchi, and Gosman. Like unbelievable. It's no joke. It's uh, Dane Dunning tonight, Max Scherzer tomorrow, Jordan Montgomery on <laughs> uh, Wednesday, and Thursday's Nathan Evoldi. So I mean, I'm going down to Wednesday's game. Nice. That'll be sure. Uh, that'll be Montgomery and Kikuchi, my guy. Uh, but if you can get down to the Rogers Center any day this week, it's it's musty baseball. Uh, I would imagine all four are going to be sold out. So you're probably uh, paying. An arm just and get a leg those just outfield to, tickets, to and you just stroll around, and they're twenty bucks, and you just you just hit up the Schneider's deck, you go it's, to the, the bars. I just doesn't you hear those four names for the Texas Rangers? Doesn't it feel strange that they are where they are? And like we said, that I mean, about the similar Blue Jays to it's, literally two weeks it's ago. Exactly what the Blue Jays were two weeks ago. Other like you teams have, probably look at the Blue Jays roster and say, wow, they have the best rotation in baseball. Their, yeah. their bullpen's amazing. They've got Vladdy and Bo and Springer and Chapman. And why does, why, does why this are team they stink? underperforming? Yeah. Good question. Now they're performing. <laughs> I can, I'm so excited for this series. Like This is what for years in this market mm-hmm. we were clamoring for. Like we want it. Remember, I think back to the Yankees series in September of, I want to say 2015 okay. when Russell Martin hit that mm. home run and they had the, the French, Russell Martin. the French call the Russell, Russell, yes, yes, Russell. Yes. that was the, lo- that was a long time coming for September <laughs> meaningful baseball. And now we're into the portion of the season here. It's September 11th. When if that happens again, like a big home run happens, that well, we felt that last you're getting night that memory. Like you're getting that mm-hmm. kind of memory from these series mm-hmm. on to the rest of the season. So get excited, get down to the ballpark, like Alish said. It's going to be fun. Four great pitching matchups, and the Blue Jays are playing some of their best ball of the season, which is exactly what you want heading into a big series like this. You know who I've been impressed with over this last stretch, and I think. For me, maybe it's because I've played for teams where this has been the true statement is that your veterans really show up when it matters. September's a month where it's been fun to talk about Babe Schneider and some of these young guns, but George Springer and Kevin Kiermeyer and Matt Chapman when he gets back and Brandon Belt when he's deciding to play. Um, <laughs> Kevin Gosman and all of these faces that is like the Blue Jays have some older names on the roster and sometimes you're like, well, why are we investing in older players? Well, this is why because that's when these guys show up and they understand the pressure is at hand, but they know how to perform under them. Like Springer's really turned it on since yep. having a dip in performance. Um, he was coming into Saturday's game in, with six home runs, eight doubles, 31, 21 RBAs, 22 runs in a 30-game stretch. Uh, he's batting like I think 322, and he has certainly like turned it on at the right time. He's had his injury concerns. He's had his ups and downs. He's a guy that makes a lot of money. So that's why we always look through the lens of George Springer's making a lot of money. But this is George Springer month. You know, it was Bo Tember last year. There was all these things about guys getting hot at the right time. If George Springer can prove why he's a guy that makes this money, why he was an MVP, why he's won a World Series, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, do it now. Do it now, Kevin Kiermeyer, when you, you know, come up big in a big spot, but you're also one of the best defensive players in the league. You're going to have opportunities for some of the veteran guys to make this an important run for them. But George Springer has done it over the last couple of games. Uh, coming up clutch when it matters most, I think thriving in September and October, although it is a long season, 
I would much rather say that I'm a guy that comes up clutch in September and October. Mm-hmm. Although it would be nice to do that for 162 games. Nobody does that for 162 games, right? No. So this is a way that some of these guys can rewrite their narrative of the season. For Maybe sure. Vladdy too. For sure. And one of the other things that, that Kiermaier said was just talking about the, the energy. He said this after the game. The energy in the clubhouse is different. And I feel like mm-hmm. when guys like George Springer start to heat up a little bit, that can really inject some life into feels a clubhouse. Real. Like it feels like, okay, George is going now. We have a couple other guys who are starting to swing the bat a little better. Vlad's getting more patient at the plate, not chasing as much. A couple walks mm-hmm. yesterday again. David Schneider continues to see the ball really well, getting more walks. And I think Kiermaier's point makes a lot of sense. Like once things start to turn and you realize that it's winning time, like the energy and the, the how many times we talk about urgency, mm-hmm. urgency, we weren't seeing it from the team. We want to see it. It finally feels like they believe that they need to yep. play with some sense of urgency and they're feeling it now. And so far, uh, the returns on that have been solid. And I, th- I mean, we talked about how these are the worst teams in baseball, a consecutive, I think it was four series in a row with teams under 500. You want to be coming out of that feeling good. It could be complete opposite. Like you could have still been could've in been a, a wild card race, but if you felt like you barely found any positives, then you're coming into tonight feeling like, oh, we barely scraped by. Mm-hmm. They are coming in feeling hot. They're feeling confident. They're getting some injured players back. They beat some of the worst teams in baseball, whatever. You can only beat the team across from you, right? Uh, and if you're showing ways to do so, I believe it was another one of their comeback wins too. Like that to me speaks a lot to Blue Jays character. I'm just going to pull it up here because the Blue Jays tweeted it uh, about their comeback win. I think it was their yeah. 34th comeback win of the season. You know what? That's a small a small thing, but I think it shows a lot of character because when you're down and you know you've come back 34 times this season, it's that's a significant number. How many wins do they have? 80? 34 of them were comeback wins? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's important. I think it's important for that clubhouse when you get down. Let's say you're in game two here against Texas Rangers and you're down 4-2 in the eighth. Like You know you've done it before. You know you can find a way to perform and you have your veterans maybe peaking at the right time. I think this series uh, could show a lot about what the Blue Jays' character is like, and it all starts tonight. It's going to be a great series ahead. Uh, as we said, we've got Buck Martinez on at 8 to help tee this one up and wrap up, which was you know the type of time that you want to feel good about your schedule. The Jays have 80 wins, sixth team in the major leagues to 80 wins. So they what they need, 92, let's say, 12 yeah. more wins? Not crazy. It's not crazy. Not crazy at all. Okay. And the Rangers have two series against the Mariners mm-hmm. in the last two weeks of the season. So they're going to be beating up on each other, which makes the Blue Jays' job a little bit easier. Now in the second wild card spot, mm-hmm. not the third, not chasing the wild card spot mm-hmm. in the second. It's not comfortable yet. No, but it's it can definitely be not. A little bit more com- comfortable after this four game series well, against the Rangers. This four game series, um, we already know the stakes. We don't have to keep bashing that uh but you got the red Sox this weekend and then you have a lengthy 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 lazy run against al east teams blue jays not great against al east teams this year right uh you got the red Sox, and you got the yankees then you've got the yankees then you've got the rays and you're wrapping it up with 
teams that you need to beat, but you haven't really proven to be that successful against this year. So not that that's looming in the distance is certainly something to think about. Uh, it's a great opportunity for the Blue Jays to say that was a weird blip to start the season where we could not beat teams in our own division. Uh, the Yankees, they lost that. We were talking to John Morosi about it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Dominguez, who I was pumped about. So okay, sad. Injures himself. Red Sox and Yankees have been... You Torn know, UCL. Yeah, it's brutal. Oh. But they've been messing a little bit with making this interesting down the run. I don't think that I'm, I'm worried about them right behind the Blue Jays, but they're playing better baseball. So yeah. just things to consider. And then obviously you got the Rays who we know the Rays. Yeah. I mean, it has been nice that the, the Red Sox have kind of fallen off the pace here. Now it's a full seven games back mm, of the Blue Jays, good. the Yankees <laughs> uh, nine games back. So, I mean, I'm not willing to say just yet that they're both done because they play the Jays so many times, mm-hmm. but they're teetering on the brink of complete irrelevancy here which is lovely. Good. Lovely to see for Blue Jays fans things, to have the, the division. Things quickly, just, as you know. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, yeah, can't we just talked anybody. about it two weeks ago. Blue Jays were out of a playoff spot by three and a half games. Can't take anybody lightly. Yeah. Um, but tonight, big one, uh, kicks off 7-7 first pitch. And it's Chris Bassett on the mound. Who have we felt more confident about than Chris Bassett in this rotation lately? I don't think anyone. Uh, he's given us two consecutive games of eight-plus innings. He is... Uh, I think one of the guys that had a good August, I think we could have said that Brios, Gosman, Kikuchi kind of not dipped, but they didn't progress as much as we'd want. Yep. Chris Bassett has been a good point of confidence over the last uh, couple starts he's had. And then Hunjun Ryu, those two were feeling really good about it. And then Kikuchi and Gosman, you know, two guys that we were saying are your ace about a month ago when we were feeling good about those two. Uh, a great way to wrap it up. So that's tonight, 7-7 first pitch, Dunning and Bassett. Um, We'll tee that up a little later in the show, but let's get to Canada winning bronze at the FIBA World Cup. That was an early morning start yesterday. Um, worth getting up for because Canada is never really in this position. Uh, this is their, now their best ever showing at the FIBA World Cup. It's exciting. Like, I felt so much pride. I know we wanted to see them play for a gold medal, of course. Like, that, yes, easily stated. But to play against this American team for a medal, um, an American team who is ranked number two, Mm-hmm. and they were coming in, Canada was coming in with a 1-21 in record against the United States at the senior level. Mm, that's pretty bad. The United States <laughs> has 12 NBA players. They're the United States. Like, obviously, they have, don't have their full roster. We know that we'll probably see some bigger names at the Olympics. We could say the same about Canada. Mm-hmm. They weren't having some of their biggest names. Canada beating the United States is always a sweet, sweet feeling, whatever sport it is, hockey, basketball, soccer, you name it. But yesterday morning to see our guys uh, put a bronze medal on and, and mean mugging in their photos. Like they look <laughs> badass. Like they're, they're the team with the swagger. They're no longer the team that crawled their way in or scratched their way in. They are certainly raising their own expectations, which is something we'll look forward to. Like this isn't just fun to show up now. It is about winning something and you got your hardware now, but all eyes shift to the Paris Olympics. But what a great, what a great tournament for Canada. I think you can take a little bit um, I, I think you can you can take some negatives, but you can take mostly positives from what Canada did at this World Cup, and I'm really proud of them. No question about it. Uh, first medal at a global event since 1936 for the men. Yeah, I 19, don't remember that one. 1936. Uh, yeah, your point is one. I want to ask you a question about this, actually. Of, In my mind, first, everyone deserves a boatload of credit for how this went down. Like an incredible performance from top to bottom. But for me, there are two 
main stories can coming I guess out them? of this. Yeah, yeah, you can. For me, number one is yeah. Dylan Brooks. Okay. And that's number what I was two is Shay Gilgis Alexander. There you go. You nailed them both, obviously. <laughs> Look at us in sync. Obviously. Ooh. Love in it. In that order for you too? Uh maybe recency I think I would, bias. I think I would flip them. Okay. But they're one they're one A and one B. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I think Shay is just like they don't win without Dylan Brooks, mm-hmm. but they're nowhere even close without Shay. Because the game against even as far back as France, the opening game against fifth ranked France, who many people thought, okay, this is a tough way to start for Canada. If it gets off on the wrong foot here, you're probably out of the mm-hmm. tournament because you're playing Spain and Brazil coming up. And in the second half of the game against France, Shea Gilgis Alexander took over. And for people that don't watch the NBA ritually yeah. and see him, like he plays the Oklahoma City Thunder. Imagine and he played for Toronto. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. He doesn't get, you know, primetime uh, national shine in the States that often. And I think there's a lot of fans who miss out on, on watching mm-hmm. him play. I think that was the first glimpse of watching literal, like among the top five players in the world, mm-hmm. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, go to work. And for me to have that sort of development, even even if, you know, basketball hardcores knew that that was there. Right. To have that show up when it mattered most for Canada was ridiculous. And in that game, it just parlayed that, you know, he got ripped after the Brazil game when they lost, but so did everybody. Jordi Fernandez went and ripped everybody. And how did they respond? Like Shea, again, yesterday, 31 points, 12 assists, everything coming like incredibly clutch too. viral moments mm-hmm. that uh, that disgusting move on Austin Reeves and Mikhail Bridges, who is an awesome defender, mm-hmm. just breaking ankles. Like this guy was the star of the tournament, a tournament that included Luka Doncic. So for me, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I mean, how do you parlay this into an NBA season? Like this guy, if he wasn't a household name already, which he was, but even more so now, and I think he's going to be the running for MVP you go off on your Dylan Brooks tangent because I do agree that it was uh, 1A, 1B well, for me. I feel like I could give – my expectations for Shea were extremely high and he met them and exceeded them. Yeah. He's definitely the best player on Canada. He's the face of Canada basketball moving forward. Um, but I expected that from him, although he did continue to push what was even fathomable for a guy like that. Obviously, he was one of the uh, five all-stars at the FIBA World Cup. Like that, I think we expected him to be one of the best players there, but he continued to push what I believed was was real, like 24.4 points per game, uh, six and a half rebounds per game, six and a half assists per game, uh, certainly deserving of that honor and feeling like he's a global star at this yep, point. No doubt. Um, but that's what I expected. To be honest, I didn't have... Very big expectations of Dylan Brooks. I had um, this show joked about it before. We'd always bet Dylan Brooks unders in the playoffs. And and I think like not um, deservingly so for some of his on-court, off-court antics. I feel like I kind of wrote him off or I didn't really think – he didn't occupy much of my brain coming into this. It was Shay, 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 RJ, RJ, RJ. And what are we going to get from some of the vets? And Dylan Brooks took me by surprise I think he has certainly won the hearts of a lot of Canadians. For me to see somebody get booed earlier in the tournament and then flip the script in the medal game to be getting MVP chance 
that turn of events you don't see in a single tournament very often. Um, he has leaned into the villain, and whether you like that persona, you like that, he's he's capitalized on it, and it's motivating him to a point where he got 39 points, which was the most ever scored by a Canadian at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. This is in the bronze medal game. Uh, went 12 for 19 shooting, 7 from 8 from 3. The most he's ever scored in his career, like since the NBA, this guy turned it on when it mattered. He would he and Shea one A, one B, but they would not they wouldn't have got there without Dumbarks. They obviously wouldn't have got there without Shea. We know that. Um I just I'm I'm really pleased that he had this tournament because this is a this is really rewriting what's been a pretty brutal end to that last season. His team saying we're not even gonna have you back. Like whatever. That stuff is so little now. He's really earned to be in the conversation with Shay, right? He's so good on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. His defensive game helped Canada so much. And then he goes off offensively with 39 points. Like, really, I'm I'm just, I'm really happy that he had this. It's not that he needed a breakthrough moment, but he might have needed a a narrative flip. And he definitely yeah, got it. that's an excellent way to put it. It, it was a narrative flip. Like, look at the, what his performance in yesterday's game. More points than Anthony Edwards. More rebounds than Josh Hart, more assists than Jalen Brunson, more threes than Mikael Bridges, mm-hmm. seven for eight from three. And you mentioned the the unders that you and Justin would float around. Oh, yeah, you Brooks. look at what he did. He was a bad. He, he was a bad shooter. He was last bad. Year. He was bad. He was and a lock to hit his under every game. He, he said something really interesting about practicing in the Raptors practice oh, facility. I sent this did to you Justin. See this? I sent this to Justin because we joke about the OVO center all the time, him and I. How it made them worse shooters. Yeah, and how it was like such a big thing. They've rolled out the OVO shooting thing and then they sucked at shooting. Like sucked. Like we, I literally said this to him because we always joked about it. Well, they all got the OVO center. Well, Dylan Brooks said that that helped him Remarkably, <laughs> he said it helped him on his arc. It told him exactly how to shoot the basketball. Okay, so can basically. he go to Raptors practice and show the guys on the Raptors <laughs> how to like, use it? Because clearly it works. Oh my goodness! Like, it was like a multi-billion dollar installation. That kind of hurt a little bit. Like there was a little bit of me when <laughs> that I heard he went him out say of that. his way like, to call uh, that OVO shooting board out. Yeah. I was like. Don't bring Yikes. that into my brain because I forgot about it this off season, which was nice. <laughs> and now the first time the Raptors shoot like three for forty, I'm going to be like, "Where's Dylan Brooks? Like, yeah. Maybe he like unlocked shooting some... consultant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we hire him? Um, <laughs> well, he, he is with the Rockets now, and it's a different conference. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe the Raptors can like call him up and be like, "Hey, you know, you play in a different conference. You're not that relevant <laughs> to us. Can you just give us some tips well, on how to deal the with this?" The thing is, now he's relevant, thing? which is great. This is like part of why I thought this story was was even more. It resonated more with me. He's relevant now. Like he was, he fell out of. He's getting relevant. MVP votes yesterday. He, yeah, they were they were cheering him on in. Or not votes, in, chance. Yeah, Indonesia mm-hmm. chanting MVP at him. He has a lot of eyes on him now this season. So now he needs to deliver and do it in a way where yeah, you can still be your villain. Like you can still be hard to play against. But you know that the second there's, like, some quote, it's going to go viral, right? If he says something about LeBron again, if he has a game where he shoots, like, two for 28, like, we're going to, oh, what happened to Dylan Brooks? But he's got a lot of momentum, and he's got a lot of eyeballs on him now. Like, guys from the United States, FIBA World Cup was tweeting things about Dylan Brooks, saying, like, he's, like, Dylan the villain. Like, it's a different type of stardom now for Dylan Brooks than it was six months ago. 
and he's just got to continue that into his NBA play this season. He's obviously going to be a staple for Canada moving mm-hmm. forward. I would love to see what he does at the Paris Olympics, but he's got to he's got to reel it in, but use this to propel him because he could have an incredible season. Like, what would you not feel like you've got a lot of momentum if you're Dylan Brooks? You signed a contract, you got a new team. For sure, they're not good either. At Houston, and still. it could be Dylan Brooks's team. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> like coming into this short tournament, you're right. Like the the storyline was that this guy's this guy can't shoot. He's kind of a bum. He's a little bit annoying. He's a villain. Mm-hmm. But that has all changed. Power which to is you, absolutely man. Great. And they have a really young core too. Like we we talked last week a lot about what they do with you know Jamal Murray's obviously going to play. There's no mm-hmm. question about it at the Olympics if he's healthy and wants to. Um, but the core itself, like even if they were to take just this team to Paris like they are a threat to win the gold medal that's it like and they're, and they're gonna be around for a long time like they're 23 24 mm-hmm. years old 25 like they are going to be a staple on the international scene for many years to come which is crazy like this is the first step yep which is for Canadian basketball on the men's side like that has not been the case at all like the expectation I guess was an Olympic berth, but like I don't even think a medal was like when Rowan Barrett came on here mm-hmm. and I asked him like what's the goal? And the reason I asked that was because it was after they had clinched the Olympic berth and I was curious, like, do you guys really believe that you're potentially the best country mm-hmm. at in the world? And he didn't say that, but I really believe inside the room they feel that they feel that. Like, I think inside the program now, they believe that if everything can come together and they get, I think Jamal's huge, who knows about Wiggins and Ben Matherin, but like the team that you just saw, they are a team. Like they have a lot of really, really good elements. They beat some really good teams against definitely the hardest schedule Mm -hmm. at the FIBA tournament. France, number five, Spain, number one, US, number two. Slovenia, number seven. Beat them all. Beat them all. So what more do you need to see? Like this team can be the best international team in the world. Expectations have changed and you earn that, but you also have to deliver, right? You can't go to the Paris Olympics and just show up and be like, we made it. We clinched uh, when we were in Indonesia. We got a bronze, uh, but now we're cruising our way in. It's just like Canada (laughs) soccer. You, you, You went to the FIBA World Cup and that was fun. Now you're hosting it and expectations are that you win some games and you advance and it's the same with Canada basketball. Like you have put the work in and we've talked about it. We talked about it with some players, uh, with Carl English, we talked about it with Rowan Barrett, where this is uh, two decades in the making. Don't waste that, right? No. There's been so much behind the scenes effort and like commitment and um, sacrifice to get Canada basketball. And you're now the faces of it. Like you, like you're Shay Gilgis Alexander. You're the face of Canada basketball now. You continue this momentum and you make something of it when you go to Paris. And I really feel like they will. Uh, we'll have Katie Heindel on at 730 to help us break this down. Um, great tournament for Canada. Great tournament. And we were talking about the Raptors. How about Dennis Schroeder? I was going to say, that's, whoo, baby. How, who's <laughs> not feeling good about Dennis Schroeder this morning? 19 points per game, six assists. MVP. Undefeated Germany. MVP of the tournament. Dennis Schroeder. So that's your Toronto Raptors, baby. Hopefully the shooting machine uh, software does not screw him up (laughs) because he was unbelievable at this tournament. And I mean, for me, I was like, eh, when they signed, I was like, eh, 
Like, are we really doing this? Like, we're going to bring in a guy who's shot happy. Man, he who's is. not, you know, I don't think he moves the needle very much. And Raptors fans certainly didn't think he moved the needle. And you don't really have much to look forward to this upcoming Raptor season. Not anymore. No, I, I can't wait to get Katie's perspective on it. Obviously, uh, Toronto base, so she knows how much this could uh, influence the Raptors. But a quick question, the text line. I really like this. Should Raps try and get Brooks? They need a controversial player. We'll see about this. Yeah, I mean, it's hilarious that like fans were like, this guy's going to play in China and no team wants him and he's a disaster. And now it's like, well, the Raptors probably could have had him for absolute peanuts and look where we are. If he only went to the shooting machine earlier, earlier Damn. and Raptors, the Raptors front office could look at those stats up on the board and say, no. We found some crap this guy. <laughs> so give one whatever you want. Shame. Um, all right, Katie at 730. Uh, we'll have Donathan Bennett on at 7. He'll also help us do a little bit of uh, Canada basketball perspective. Uh, but, of course, NFL was back yesterday. Of course, Thursday night. But yesterday was the real deal. Yesterday was the couch day. Um, horizontal viewing for many. Uh, There's a lot of takeaways. Like I was starting to write some notes yesterday. Okay, takeaways. And it felt like every game had something. Um, easy to start with the with the the big one of the early slate of games, the Bengals. Mm. Um, what the hell happened with them? Brutal showing, zero touchdown passes after Joe Burrow gets a monster, monster contract. Um, of course, he didn't have a snap in the preseason, and it really showed. Like yeah. that team looked dismal. Uh, Browns legit. I mean, this was always like the question is like, how much better are they going to look this year? Their defense, their defense looked really good, but that was the shocker to start the day. Uh, the Bengals did not look competitive and Joe Burrow was at, at the helm of that. I think you're a little bit of excuses that he didn't get any preseason action, but you just, you, it's your Joe Burrow, right? So like how much of that are you giving as an excuse? They just looked pretty bad. They were horrific. Mm -hmm. It was like tough to watch, honestly. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I think new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz in, in Cleveland probably deserves a lot of credit. And I do think in this particular case, the point you made about Joe Burrow not taking any preseason snaps, uh, it's not even just preseason. It's the, the lack of reps in training camp too, because oh, yeah. there were some teams in the league where they're, you know, they didn't play a lot of the starters in the preseason at all. Like the Chargers didn't play anybody in the preseason. That didn't seem to affect them yesterday in that shootout with the Dolphins. But I do believe that Burrow has a legitimate excuse. When you get hurt that early in training camp and you don't have any reps, mm -hmm. and then you're going in a rainy atmosphere uh, in Cleveland against a, a really good defense. Yeah, I, it's great. Yes, it's awful. Like 82 yards is horrendous, but it's Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. And I think overreacting to one week would probably Definitely. be a little bit foolish yeah, in this yeah, case. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my concern level for him getting back to speed is low. Like, yeah. it's just, it was... It was ugly. It was ugly. Um... Definitely something that people were circling as a as a game they were looking forward to, kind of like continuing that momentum with the Bengals. Didn't see it. Uh, Tua. Oh my goodness. Tua is the story okay. for me of okay. the day. Like if Tua's healthy MVP. and Tua plays like this, they could be a Super Bowl winning team. MVP. He could be MVP. Like the way that he played yesterday, and I know, and I just a part of me is like so nervous. Like I was nervous watching him because if he gets another concussion, like I don't know if he's gonna play football again. He's not going to. 466 passing yards, three touchdowns, Tyreek Hill. Like, everybody looked absolutely dialed into another level. They could win a Super Bowl if Tua can play like this. It's it's a wild card, right? Like, I think he surprised many, but the way that they put together just this offense was dynamite. And I enjoyed watching every – that was a great game. And Tua looked like a, just a <laughs> – 
an MVP caliber player. That's all you can say. <laughs> Tua last year had the best passer rating in the league before he got hurt. Um, he is Tough. that dude. Yeah. Like he, he is that good when he's healthy. And last year, I'm just going to speak for this a personal anecdote, but last year I had uh, Tua, Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill in fantasy on the same team. And watching, so I watched a lot of the Dolphins. Watching this team offensively, it's like a beautiful symphony. It really is. Like, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, Waddle coming across the middle. Mm -hmm. He has the potential on literally any time he catches the ball to take it to the house. Tyreek Hill, you cannot cover him. You can't cover him. And you pair that with a guy in Tua. I know a lot of the issues previously where he doesn't throw the ball downfield. Uh, Hello? Did anyone watch yesterday's game? Yeah, he showed everybody up with that one. It was all down the field yesterday. And you know that he has the ability to get the ball out really quickly in the short area of the field if need be. So I'm looking at the Dolphins, and this is part of the reason why last week when we were talking to to football guests, I said the Bills are going to have a difficult time in the division because the Jets are better, and this Miami team is for real. Like they, yes, Jalen Ramsey's hurt. So we'll see what Vic Fangio can do with the defense. Obviously a tough day for them, but you're going against the Chargers offense. And many people think the Chargers are going to be Super Bowl contenders. The Dolphins are for real. They have the talent and they are a beautiful offense Mm -hmm. to watch. And I think Tua, honestly, if he stays healthy, people forget that last year before he got hurt, like there were MVP whispers about Tua Tagovailoa last year. So if he stays healthy... Like, this guy is going to be right there at the MVP conversation. You're telling me that the Bills and the Jets weren't watching that last night saying, oh, you yeah. know what? It, we, everyone's fired up about the Jets. Tonight is like, the I can't wait for tonight. Bills and Jets, of course, Monday Night Football, September 11th. This is a big night. Uh, there's a lot going into tonight's game. Uh, off the field, on the field, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Josh Allen, two teams in the AFC East that are going to be fighting for uh, a playoff uh, not even birth, like a, a run. But you watch what the Dolphins did last night, and they're probably like, ooh, okay. If Tua plays like this, it's not as easy as it seems. And even the Patriots, like, they fought back a bit. Yeah. Eh, it was wasn't, a It was game. a weird game. But the Patriots are not, like, some schlubs, right? I mean, Tom Brady ran that field, and I thought, if you put him in. Put him yeah, in he looked good. Put his jersey. Anyway, um, the AFC East, we tell you the AFC Beast, but the Dolphins, they really impressed. Like, they looked legit scary. Um yeah, as a Bills fan, I'm wearing my Bills sweater today. You're wearing a Bills sweater. I got eyes on the Dolphins uh, after that one. It was a bit eye-opening for me. Um, we don't have f- so much time to go through everything, but for me, I'm going through like my rankings of things that impressed me. Brock mm-hmm. Purdy. Niners look legit. Um, <laughs> They're Pur- so good. Purdy's no longer like the fun Mr. Irrelevant story. Like I loved covering that last year, but we didn't know who the hell Brock Purdy was. We didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect from him. He played like five regular season games. Then he has a UCL injury. He's out. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, sample size is hard to tell. Rookies. Uh, first of all, no rookie quarterbacks won yesterday either, which is strange. Uh, what kind of, I guess when you watched, it wasn't that strange. Anyway, hard to know what Brock Purdy's sample size was. That a uh, you uh, connection yesterday was dynamite. He threw for 220 yards, two touchdowns. They win 37 over the Steelers. Um, I mean, it, if he can be good, not even great, the Niners have a chance to really. They could be Super Bowl contenders as well. Who do we have on Berman on mm-hmm. Sun uh, on mm-hmm. Friday? Mm-hmm. Said uh, Niners and and Bills in the in the Super Bowl. Not with, bad with half Bills of that, winning, at least with Bills winning, but they've got another top defense and they looked 
real complete with him at the helm. Yeah, obviously I was concerned with the the defense not having D'Amico Ryans anymore. He's in Houston now as their head coach. Um, so I was concerned about the defense. Defense looked great, like you said. And Brock Purdy just looks like he has it. Yep. Like he's just smart. It wasn't like a fluke last year. Yeah, like he, I don't, I don't want to call him a game manager because I think we throw that term around and it diminishes what the quarterback mm-hmm. can actually do. But he just seems like he makes the right decision all the time. And how many teams in the league would love to have a quarterback that just makes the correct decision the majority of the time? And I think he recognizes, he's very good at recognizing that the best way to have success with the 49ers is to put the ball in your playmaker's hands. And what does he do yesterday? Throws two great balls to Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk, two touchdowns for Ayuk. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 152 yards on 22 carries. He's got a lot of options. He has a lot of <laughs> options, and it's a very good opportunity for him to have success. But we have seen many a time in the NFL that just because you have talent surrounding a quarterback doesn't mean anything. Like It does not mean anything. You have to be able to corral that and Mm -hmm. and make the right decisions. And Brock Purdy certainly showed that ability yesterday. I definitely want to continue on this uh, with Brock Purdy. We'll talk about the Cowboys because Donovan coming up at seven. We've got to get into that. Uh, But we've got to take a quick break uh, up against the clock here. We've got the A-list on the other side. Then Donovan Bennett will join us at seven and we'll continue our football analysis from a great day on Sunday. But A-list after the break, Fan Morning Show with Jesse and A-list. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, it's time for the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? All right, speaking of the Cowboys, before we bring on Donovan Bennett... Dak Prescott got a massive, 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 massive leg tattoo this offseason. This is a good one. Like, and when I say a leg sleeve, I mean there's not like an inch of skin showing. It is uh, pretty significant. He spent 11 hours getting the tattoo, but he went under sedation and was knocked out so then they could just grind it out and tattoo his entire leg. And people are kind of... They're on their mixed feelings about this because, you know, it's a grind, I'm sure, to get a sleeve, whether it's on your arm or your leg. But he just decided to get sedated and not feel any of the physical pain and wake up with a full leg tattoo. Uh, It's got Daffy Duck doing Dak's signature touchdown celebration, the Dallas skyline, a sign from the Pine Creek Estates where he grew up in Louisiana. Uh, It's got Kobe Bryant, Jumpman, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali. Like, it is significant. He's got a big leg, too. This is no skinny little chicken legs. 11 hours doing this under sedation. Um, can I ask you something about this? Mm. So he didn't tell the Cowboys that he was going under sedation mm-hmm. for 11 hours. What would your reaction be if you were Mike McCarthy or Jerry Jones? To that? Well, I saw Jerry Jones's reaction, and he was like, what? I didn't know you got... I don't know anything about tattoos. That's why I don't have one, but... Being sedated for 11 hours is like something when you get like uh, surgery. Mm -hmm. So I think I would have been concerned knowing that he did that. Of course, he was under like medical evaluation during it. But yeah, I think I'd be concerned if I was the coach and the staff that (laughs) one of your superstars decided to go sedated just because. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to judge him. Like I'm sure there's the tattoo has 
you know, significant meaning mm-hmm. to him and that's wonderful. But yeah, 11 hours under sedation seems like a bit drastic. How crazy for him too, to wake up and be like, oh yeah, it looks good. Like you can't ask questions when you're sedated. They they put the the tracing on and they go to town. I mean, he's not really like there to watch it. He's out. He has lunch. a lot of trust. He's got a lot of trust in these tattoos. They had multiple tattoo artists working at the same time. So they they tag teamed this thing and and it took eleven hours. Go take a look at it. It does look pretty cool. It is pretty cool. But I kinda wanna get a sleeve. I think Dak's inspiring me. Okay. Well, we can we can brainstorm what Jesse's sleeve will look like uh, during the break. We'll have Donovan Bennett joining us after. Must we'll see what he t- what he has to think about uh Dak's sleeve. This uh, all all to come on the fan morning show with Jesse and Elish. <laughs>